Hi there. Welcome to this episode of Lifestyle Matters. Once again, I'm joined by Dr. Fergal Armstrong to discuss today a bit more on stress management. So, Fergal, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here as always. Great. So, we talked a little bit about stress and how we can, I guess, just recapping quickly, we talked about stress, how you know, stress used productively can be actually good for us, how we can start learning how to manage our stress a bit better. And today we were going to focus a little bit more on cognitive therapy and resilience. So what is cognitive therapy, Fergal? Would you mind taking us through that a little bit? Well, I think it's more, it's more, it's more known as cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, CBT. So there are cognitive components to it and there are behavioral components to it. And the fundamental concept around CBT is that we cannot change how we, how we feel and we cannot change our, our automatic thoughts. And we know that our automatic thoughts create a lens through which we view the world and that that viewing of the world then causes us to experience emotions and causes us to experience behaviors. So the idea is that if we can change the lens, we can reduce the impact of our automatic thinking, of our cognitive distortions or cognitive biases. And then by that effort, we can change the way that we view the world and therefore feel differently about the world and therefore improve our, our lot in life, our suffering. So that's the cognitive aspect. But <clears throat> one of the things that I like about CBT, it's, it's not a passive process. It's a very active process. There are exercises to be done in it in the loosest sense of the word. There's homework and there, there are actions to be done. So it's not the archetypal, uh, you know, sitting in a, on a, on a chaise long in a psychiatrist's office as you witter on and the psychiatrist falls asleep. It's nothing like that. It, it, it's supposed to be a very active engagement with a therapeutic process. Um, and there are various behavioral components that can be added into this depending on the problem that is being addressed. So that's my understanding in a nutshell of what CBT is. Yeah. So what you're actually alluding to is what um, I call the ABC method, um, actually. So it's very simple um, about this whole ABC thing. So if you think about A, mathematic equations, A plus B equals to C. So A is your activating event. B is basically what your beliefs are of that event equals to C, which is which are the consequences of your beliefs and the activating event. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, an activating event, for example, you know, you invited someone to come over to your house. They turned, turned your invitation down. You have no control over the fact that this person turned your invitation down. But if your belief is that person didn't turn up because they just didn't like you, then the consequences is basically you feel really sad and rejected and lonely. So obviously, A is something we can't change. C is the consequence. What can we actually change? Our belief. And that's what CBT is what you're referring to. And that's how I view it very in a very um, simplistic way. But you're quite right. It is a very hard to do. It's the number of times I've sent people to go see a therapist for CBT, they come back and say, it's tiring, it's hard work. But the ones who persevere through it, 
actually find it quite rewarding because it's something that you can end up using every day in any circumstances. It's not just in an anxiety provoking sort of circumstance. That's mm. my so take on how, it. How do you how do you then view the role of CBT in the management of stress? Yeah, so I guess the thing is when you see when you see someone with, for example, stress. So if there is an event that stresses you out, if you try to first evaluate what it is about that event that stresses you out, what your beliefs are about that stressful event, um, then perhaps if we can change it, that can actually eliminate or reduce your stress levels. Um, and, you know, CBT is not only just for stress. Um, as we all know, CBT can be used for um, depression. It can be used for insomnia. It can be used for addiction. So it's, it's, it's a method that's quite widely used for a lot of um, issues that people mm. face. How do you feel like it fits into stress management, Virgil? Well, for me, I, in, in terms of CBT, I like to look at the cognitive aspects and the behavioral aspects. And when I'm looking, thinking about the cognitive, cognitive aspects of CBT for, for people with stress, I'm particularly trying to find their cognitive bias or their cognitive distortion. So, you know, as you say, I mean, a cognitive bias must, might be the world has to love me. You know, everyone has to love me. So therefore, if everyone has to love me, if I'm confronted with um, evidence that people don't love me, so if I get my invitation refused, that sends me into a paroxysm of stress, anxiety, depression. It just sends me into a spiral. So if I find that uh, thought going through, the, through, through my head that, that everyone has to love me, then that's the time to start working on challenging that, behavior, uh, that, that thinking process. Well, not everyone has to love, love you. And, you know, then to what extent do we need people around us to love us? And how do we then nurture those, those relationships? Another cognitive distortion would be all or nothing thinking. So, you know, if I fail, it's because I'm an abject failure and I'm useless. Well, that fails to recognize the positive in me. It fails to recognize the humanity in me where we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all fail when none of us are perfect. Um, another another um, cognitive distortion might be catastrophization where, you know, a trauma has happened or an upset's happened and it's, it's an absolute disaster. It's the worst thing that's happened in the world. It's worse than World War II, for instance, or the, or the you know, various, you know, you know, global catastrophic events. I mean, another another example that I really come across quite frequently is that the past equals the future, you know. The, um, so, you know, something horrible happened to me in my past. Therefore, if I, if I engage in that same activity, I do that same, same uh, try and relate to people in the same, in a similar way or do the similar occupation. That horrible thing is going to happen again. So mind, you know, reading the future is a, is a, is a, you know, is a significant cognitive distortion. And mind reading, you know, that person looked at me because they don't like me. So these are all ways of looking at the, the underlying lens through which we view the world. And it is that lens that also magnifies our automatic thoughts. So our negative automatic thoughts are, are the, are things like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, or he doesn't like me, 
or you know the reason why I got rejected is because I, I'm, I no one likes me. Th these are all automatic thoughts that get amplified by our lens, our cognitive distortion lens, to then become overwhelming and cause us suffering, to cause us our emotional response, which then causes the behavioral response after that. So that's the cognitive aspect. Looking at the behavioral aspect, you know, the behavioral aspect can involve homework, it can involve experiments to challenge cognitive beliefs, but it can also involve a lot of behavioral interventions to treat anxiety or stress. I mean, you, 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 so what do you think about the, the behavioral aspects of, of the management of stress? Yeah. Yeah. Before I just jump into the behavior side of it, I just wanted to add one thing you talked about, you know, the, the lens and the emotions and things. I also think it's important to, um, I remember reading somewhere that we as humans tend to sort of have a lot more negative emotions than positive emotions many not everyone does but it's quite common um and in fact to try to actually flip that away i mean flip that the other way around would be the best to actually increase our resiliency so the idea is to have three times um the more, more three more more than three times of your positive emotions than your negative emotions and that's how you would tend to also help build resiliency um, but that was just one thing yeah. I wanted to. Um, you need three positive. You need three positive emotions to outweigh the negative effect of one negative emotion. So, you know, it's really important to to develop positive emotions, and and actually, you know, optimism has been associated with um, you know improvements in cardiovascular survival after heart attack. Optimism and purpose has been associated with reductions in, in the risk of dementia. You know, but it's but it's but positive emotions are very fragile, as as you say. So you know, I'm very interested in the idea of what can we do to actually increase our positive emotions. I mean, what 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 would you say to that? <laughs> well, what can we do to increase our positive emotions? I guess it just comes down to lifestyle medicine, doesn't it? Like you know, your three F's and your yeah. three S's. Um, so, so it's about we, what we put into our body. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as you say, you know, that's the absolute foundation of the three, you know, the three Fs and the three Ss. There, but there's for me, there are specific techniques that we can engage in. So you know, very importantly, we need to nurture uh, appropriate relationships in the real world. Having a thousand Facebook friends does not cut it. You need valid, valuable, validating physical relationships in real life. I just wanted to add in there because, you know, in this time and age right now with social media um, and with a lot of um, people going through, you know, um, isolation and quarantines and things like that, everyone's on social media. And I have actually seen in my practice, there are a lot of people suffering with mental health disorders, mainly because of social media, what they've seen on Instagram, what they've seen on TikTok and, you know, all those sort of things. And it's actually has, has exacerbated and heightened mental health really in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but social connectivity yeah, is really has. important. Um, if we take it back to when we talked yeah. about blue zones before, like, you know, how that good social support was one of the reasons for them to actually have such long life expectancy. So if I could just say one more thing about the value of relationships is we know actually that validating relationships are as beneficial to people's health as smoking cessation. I mean, that's the that's the standard, the the the, the importance of relationships and the, what it, what they play in our overall health. 
I mean, another going back to you know exercises to improve our emotional well-being and improve our positive emotions, and that ratio that you were talking about. Another thing we can do is to think about our strengths and, and, make, and write an inventory of strengths, and, and also to lever our past successes in that. Another thing we can do is to actually have fun. You know, go out and enjoy life. Life is for 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 fun. Another thing we can do is to be kind to one another, to, to provide acts of kindness. Another thing we can do is to count our blessings. So even on a miserable day when we're having a really stressful day, understanding that there is so much in this world that we need to be grateful for is something that can help us reach that magic ratio of three to one. So these are just things that I think of when I'm thinking about uh, you know, increasing the positive emotions in my life and in the lives of patients. Okay, so I guess if my take on um, behavioral interventions would be along the lines of physical activity, very simply put for me, I sort of slow um, uh, slow movements and the other side of it is more cardio, high paced, high intensity sort of exercises. Um, so things like, you know, doing some yoga, going first, yeah, doing some Tai Chi, um, doing some Pilates, those sort of things will help to sort of stretch, well, stretch your body out. It'll also help you relax. You practice deep breathing while you're doing those exercises that helps to coordinate your breathing, which we tend to lose when we are a bit stressed. We start sort of hyperventilating and having abnormal breathing patterns. So these exercises I find helps to regulate those things and makes you feel better. Um, and the other part of it is really the cardio bursts, which you get where it helps to improve our dopamine levels and makes us feel better. It's the same effect that you get from eating chocolate, for example, um, except here you may be burning a little bit of calories um, instead of consuming calories and feeling good also at the end of it. Um, so that would be my take really on physical um, activity um, in terms of behavioral intervention. What would your um, take be on that, Fergal? Well, you know, it's beyond exercise. We know that there are certain behavioral techniques that are very good at uh, causing relaxation. They're relaxation therapies. And so I think of grounding. I think of guided imagery. I think of autogenic training. I think of um, progressive muscle relax relaxation. And I think also of square breathing. So we can talk a little bit about these techniques. So, I mean, grounding, first of all, what is grounding? Yeah, so grounding is something that um, I think there's different ways of different names for it. Um, and that was something that um, when I heard about it was something that the uh, war uh, veterans used to help them sort of break that cycle out of that vicious cycle of anxiety or stress that they're in. So the idea is actually using your five senses. Um, so basically, you ask yourself, what can you see? What can you hear? What can you taste? What can you smell? And what can you feel? So some people call it, call that the uh, five, four, three, two, one method. Um, and basically five, four, three, two, one is basically five things you see around you, four things that you can touch around you, three things that you can hear around you, two things that you can smell and one thing that you can taste. And that actually helps to just bring you back from that sort of vicious cycle of anxiety and stress that you go through because that's just what happens. It breaks it off and you end up using your senses too. Um, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So that's a bit like mindfulness where you're, because you're being mindfully focused on something, you don't have the attentional energy to actually worry about being anxious because you can only think of one thing at one time. So for yeah. me, grounding is a, is a form of mindfulness that really brings people to the here and now and takes them away from 
the unpleasant trauma that they might have experienced in the past. And then we have things like autogenic training. And so, I mean, taking that a bit a step further, that's where uh, people can learn to effectively exert their own mind control over their own body. So people can learn via feedback mechanisms to reduce their heart rate or to, you know, make your right palm sweat or make, you know, dry up your left palm. So you can use autogenic training to actually reduce the physical response to stress. So your, your heart rate can slow down, your breathing can slow down, your sweating can, can reduce. So that's another way of, again, treating the, the physical manifestations of stress. And that breaks the stress, anxiety, bodily sensations causing more stress and anxiety. It breaks that vicious circle. And then we have uh, square breathing. Would you, would you like to take us through what that is? Okay. So I guess... Yeah. Um... Square breathing is basically, I usually sort of use, get someone to use their hand because it helps to focus while they're doing the breathing. So you take a deep breath in over three counts, just, or just draw, draw your finger across your palm, taking a deep breath in slowly, going down, deep breathing out, breathing in and breathing out. Don't do it slowly. So you count three counts going in, up and down. Um, and that I find is quite helpful too. Um, what about the other technique that we um, we were alluding to earlier about more muscle muscle use, progressive muscle relaxation? What is that, Virgo? Yeah, PMR. I mean, when I first heard of PMR, I thought it was polymyalgia, <laughs> but it's not. It's progressive <laughs> muscle relaxation. And basically, it just means that you, you basically tense and then relax every muscle in your body. So you can do this if you're, if you're in front, if you're in a job interview situation, for instance, you can just sit there and just Clench your right hand and then relax and then clench your triceps and biceps together and then relax and then do the same on the other side and then clench your pecs and your lats. You can literally work around each muscle group. And also, and if you tense the agonist and antagonist muscle groups at the same time, you don't have to move. But that act of tensing those muscles followed by relaxation overall then allows us effectively to burn off all the adrenaline and the stress in our body to then calm things down and relax again. So that's yeah. something that people can do if they're feeling stressed in a particular yeah. situation so as well. Clearly, there are multiple ways for we can find to relax ourselves. Everyone will find something different that works for them. Um, and I think it's a matter of, and this is what I tell my patients, like, you know, I give them a sheet, say, these are the potential exercises. Give them all a try. Rate it out of 10. See what works best for you when you're stressed and use them the next time you're stressed. Um but obviously, you know, you've got to put the work in. That's what we, I think, we've been um, sort of um, driving towards, you know, CBT, stress management. They all come down to do, putting in some work. We can't just get rid of it just so easily, unfortunately. But once we do, we can actually, you know, function better and feel better. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thanks, Virgil, for your time. Um, and I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. Yeah.